right. That was the warning sound right there. We're going to get started here in just a few moments as everyone gathers back around. It's okay to take a couple extra seconds. Apparently, we're EQing currently, making my voice sound much better. Going to need it this morning. How are we all doing? Good, yeah, good. It's Sunday morning, weather's turning nice, that's good. We're enjoying it. We went down to Hans Park downtown yesterday for a festival, and it was just like, felt like we were back in the Midwest or something. It was beautiful out. It's that time of year. Well, uh, this morning we are um, jumping into a series on gratitude. Uh, gratitude is something that you're probably not shocked about coming into church in November and hearing about. Thanksgiving is on its way, so, you know... Nothing new or, or creative in the sense of the topic, but I hope that this morning uh, that we'll dive in in a new way or a fresh way to hear about gratitude and may it change our, our lives and the way God uh, impacts us and, and views the world. Um, that said, so I, I have to tell you about something I found out recently. Uh, this is a thing, I don't know if you heard about this thing, it, it's called... Um, Leaving a few minutes early, it's something that I started trying out. Um, if you know me at all, you know that I don't really like to show up on time because I like to be like as close as possible to leaving to where I would arrive just like on time or just after. And um, I don't know about you, but that like affects my drive to where I'm going. So if I'm going to work, my drive is completely different. Also, by the way, I didn't know why no one told me about this earlier. I would have had kids much sooner if I knew I could always blame them for being late. <laughs> Anytime you show up, I'm just like, ah, kids, are you all right? Like, that's a perfect excuse, always and forever. But when I'm driving to work and, and I'm able to, to get in the car and I know that I'm either going to be on time or a few minutes late, it seems like the whole world is plotted against me. Have you ever experienced this when you're running late and you feel like everyone is trying to make sure you're like even more late? Like it's right at that moment where someone cuts you off or is in the left lane going 10 miles under the speed limit or when you show up to a red light wanting to turn right on red and the guy in front of you has no intention to turn right. So you have to wait through the entire cycle again before you can get to where you're trying to go. My jaw locks up, I, I grind my teeth, I, I say words I probably can't say from the stage, I have all of these horrible intentions on people and, and hope the worst for them. It's not the highlight reel of my life that I want people to see, but it's true, and I know that there's a lot of us this morning that can, can you know, feel the same way at times. In fact, I feel like I'm in a safe space because, you know, our service starts at 10.30 and then you see 10.35, and a crowd of people come in, and then 10.40, and another crowd of people, and 10.40, and it's like, well, at least we're not the 10.45 crowd. That's, that's our intention is to be places and, and experience things, but a lot of times, we want to cut it as short as possible, and there's this tense moment in our lives where we're driving somewhere, and we feel just completely overwhelmed by the scenario. But recently, I, I tried leaving a few minutes early, and the world was a completely different place. Have you ever been early somewhere? It's amazing. Like, I'm driving along in the same, like, old Buick in the left lane, driving 10 miles under the speed limit. I'm like, she gets it. She's running. She's early, too. She, she's just enjoying the drive. Or the person who cuts me off, and I'm like, oh, you know what? That person's probably really stressed because they're running late. I know what that feels like. That's okay. 
Or I show up and I'm in the right lane, ready to turn right on red, and there's a car sitting in front of me. And I think, oh, maybe they just need to make a right turn up ahead at the CDS instead of this light, and they need this lane too. I can wait. I'll be on time or early still. It's a completely different way that we operate in our world, and it completely changes our posture. All of a sudden, my jaw is not tense and, and clenched. My, my stress level is relieved. I don't feel tension in, in my chest. There's something that changes in our posture when we leave a little bit early. We can be grateful for what's around us. We can be grateful that we're going to be on time. We can be grateful for the things that we see and the people that surround us that we may not even know as they drive their cars. It completely changes our posture. This morning, I want to talk about the posture of gratitude. First, I want to talk about posture. What is posture? Not just good posture. I can't speak to what good posture looks like because my shoulders like, are way over in front of me, but we'll talk about this idea of posture. Second, I want to talk about blessed and being blessed in a cursed world. Third, I want to talk about gratitude versus gratifying. Fourth, we'll hit gratitude, grace, peace, and then we'll end this morning with this idea of communion. So get strapped in. That's about 90 minutes of content. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get through these pretty quickly, but I want to make sure that, that we walk through this together and come at the end and see what God has for us in our lives beyond this moment, that when we leave here, that our posture will change. In order to do so, let's not rely just on me, but let's rely upon God, and let's go to him in prayer that he would open our hearts this morning. God, first of all, we are so thankful for you. God, if if we don't think about it on on a regular basis, we just want to say right now, we realize you're the reason we're alive. You're the reason that there is breath in our lungs, and we are so thankful. God, we pray that that you would open our hearts, allow for us to see and take inventory of ourselves, and then take that and make movement in our lives. Grow to a new place. And pray. Amen. So posture. When I say posture, the idea here in posture, if we can throw that definition up there, posture, what is happening inside of us affecting the world outside of us? Posture is this idea that we operate from something from within. So, so it may be something fresh that we're operating from. Maybe we just read a book and it's completely changed the way that we do business. Or, or maybe there's some kind of pain from 20 years ago and we operate out of that pain because we don't want to trust people because we don't want to get hurt again. So, so this can be a very complex thing. It can deal with things that just happened to us or things that happened a long time ago. And we may not even be self-aware of it. The first thing we have to establish with this idea of posture is that human beings are very complex. Human beings are very complex creatures. Just look at psychology, the the field of psychology. We've been trying for centuries to understand how the human brain works and why we do what we do. And there's been every genius out there that has a different idea of how that works. Because it's so hard to figure out the complexity of humanity. One of my favorite writers slash priests slash theologians is Henry Nouwen, and he uh, wrote in this famous book, Out of Solitude, about humanity's ability to feel both pain and joy at the same time. I, I think we, we define ourselves in emojis, right? We're either happy or mad. There's no like emoji that shows both in it, right? 
And we have this possibility in us that we can feel both pain and joy at the same time. We can operate out of both at the same time. So if you're in sales and you're having a great month and you are killing it, and that that great month is happening, but there's a day in that month where it's just like you lose a client. Or or you're a stay-at-home parent and, and... you are having just the best week with your kid. Your, your kid's learning new things. Your kid's a genius. And then they start getting another tooth growing in, and all of a sudden, just all breaks loose, and, and everything seems horrible in that moment. Like, where did this child come from? But we're having a great week still. We have times in our lives where we feel both pain and joy. It's where this idea of bittersweet comes from. We, we have the capacity in us to feel multiple things and to operate out of those things. So those complexities, that pain and, those jo- and that joy, those are things that we operate and, and affect the world with. It's not just something happening inside of us, not just feeling our emotions, but when I put myself on the road and I'm driving with, with pain, right, it's probably not good for everyone. But if I'm driving with joy, it's something that's probably benefiting the world. So the question will be, as we look at posture, is how do we live in this posture of gratitude? How do we become intentional with the posture we have? I would say the biggest strength with posture is self-awareness. You've met people who are self-aware. It seems like they understand how they work and why they do what they do. You understand, they understand their strengths, they understand their weaknesses, they understand where they they thrive the most, they've done all the personality assessment tests, right? They, They get themselves. So they understand their posture and the consequences, positive and negative, that has in the world. So, what does a posture of gratitude look like? In order to attack this, I would like to look at the word blessed. Now, um, when you go through your Facebook feed, many of you probably have given up on Facebook at this point in the current society we live in, but maybe some of you are still on Facebook and you're scrolling through your feed. And as you go through your feed, you see a post from a friend who... It's, you know, at a Cardinals game, and, and they say, got free tickets to the Cardinals game, hashtag what? Blessed, right? And here's the thing. I'm going to tell you about how I felt. You can judge me all you want, and then we'll talk about how I feel now. So when I would read that, blessed, I would be like, oh my gosh, but there's starving children in Africa. What are you talking about, blessed? God didn't just shove you tickets to the Cardinals game. That means that someone must have gone starving because it must be this currency that he hands out and is a transaction to say, here's your tickets. Oh, I'm sorry, Thursday you'll eat. It's fine. I'm just, for now, he needs the cardinal tickets. If that was true, we would probably give our cardinal tickets away, right? Like, we would not hold on to them. So so for me, I struggled because I, I judged when I saw this hashtag blessed and it was saying that God was like raining down from heaven these, these tickets or, you know, uh, my wife showed me today because she knows that I was going to talk about this, shows me a post on her, her throwback and uh, it was from a few years ago when we were on a flight and there was an empty seat next to her and she put hashtag blessed, like the small joys of the world. And we, we experience these things and we, we want to say that we're blessed, but the question really becomes, what is blessing? Because we are acting in gratitude when we say we're blessed. So what does that really mean? And and here's where I had to differentiate between the blessing that I thought I saw people claiming and the blessing that really I think they were recognizing. And it's this. Blessing is not a transaction of heavenly currency. It is a recognition of the divine. There is not a bank of blessing 
in which God has a limited supply and he transacts it to certain individuals to say, you get tickets and maybe you get food. Instead, when we look at what is around us, we become aware that God is involved in this world and that he is doing things, that he is active. We can recognize what is good and say that we are blessed. So yeah, you got free tickets to the Cardinals game. You're blessed. You're not saying that because some kid didn't get it and you did. You're saying, I'm blessed because God is still interacting with the world and still allows opportunities for me to find joy, and I recognize that. And in the same token, we look at that blessing and we make this decision. If God allows for a world where I can experience joy through a simple thing like going to a Cardinals game for free, then out of my gratitude, something should happen. Out of my gratitude, there should be something that changes in the world outside of myself. Because ultimately, this is where I've ended up in this thought. Yes, people should say hashtag blessed. People should feel like they can recognize the divine working in our universe. But the question becomes, who is the subject of the blessing? Who is the subject of that moment? It is the point of the blessing to be experiencing gratitude or to be gratified. That brings us to our next point. Gratitude versus gratifying. Throughout scripture, this word gratitude shows up many times, and um, what's interesting is it's connected to the word charis in in the Greek uh, when you find it in the New Testament, and the word charis is actually the word grace, right? If, If you've studied, you know, charis is this idea of grace. So gratitude and grace are not necessarily one and the same, but they are somewhat synonymous together or they are connected and tied together. They're sister words in the sense that uh, we recognize in our gratitude the grace that's poured out upon us. We recognize that God is doing something, that, that he is active in our life to do what we cannot do ourselves. The word gratifying comes up quite a few times, and it seems like such a similar word that we should be gratified. If, if you're going to have gratitude, it's a result of being gratified, but but the scriptures actually point in a different direction. And every time it uses this idea of gratifying, it talks about gratifying the flesh. Essentially, gaining pleasure for oneself for oneself's sake. To be gratified is this idea of, of seeking after your own desires and, and only for your own outcomes. So when we look at gratitude, it's much different. See, gratitude is, is a starting point seeking to serve others, while gratifying is an end point seeking to serve oneself. So when we talk about gratitude and we talk about gratifying, what we're looking for is how do we become a vessel in the midst of the divine that others may experience it as well. Our gratitude is a starting point. It's not an end point. It's a place where we begin to take what we've received into the world that others may experience it. When we look at gratifying, we always look at kind of storing up stuff or things. How do, it's never enough, right? So, so you are gratified by finally getting the car that you wanted. And a couple years later, what do you do? You get a different car, right? You trade yours in. Because, well, that one no longer is the thing that gratifies you. And so now you need a different car. We're easily gratified with more and more stuff. I just got the iPhone 10 pre-ordered, so I'm pretty excited about that. Does it really change anything? 
Yes, but at the same time, there's going to be an iPhone 11, and I'm going to want that really badly, right? We're never truly gratified when we seek after our own desires, if there's nothing that comes out of it for others. We are to be experiencing gratitude, not seeking gratification. And contentment is a big part of this. Finding contentment. It's very hard to do when there's an iPhone 10, right? Contentment is hard to seek when we see the newest model come out of the favorite car we have. It's hard when there's another dollar to be chased. It's hard when we want to provide for our family and then give them even more. Finding contentment is difficult. In the Psalms, they actually, in uh, Proverbs, they, they really deal with this. And so it's not a new concept. And uh, in Proverbs, the, the author says this, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. And then he says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. He's not talking about the little book that you can get for your devotionals. He's, he's talking about literally today's bread. He says, you know, don't allow me to be too poor in that I would not have enough. Because he then says what? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. That I might be having too little that, that I go out and, and I curse you by, by saying that you're not powerful enough to provide for me. Or on the other side, he says, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Because I am all sufficient and I don't need anyone's help. Contentment is found in this place that what we are called to is today's bread. Do we have enough? It's not to say that buying a boat is evil. It's, it's really a heart check, right? It's, it's asking, what am I going after? What is the desire of my heart? Is it about stuff and things being collected in my garage year after year until we have to move into a bigger house so I have more room for stuff? Or is there contentment in knowing that God is enough and that God supplies what we need? Another Henry Nouwen quote, because I told you he's my favorite, so you have to listen to more about him. Um, he has this quote in, in one of his books, Bread for the Journey. And I think he speaks beautifully to this idea of both contentment and this idea of being present in the posture of gratitude. It says this, To be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy. But to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, and the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as rejections that require hard spiritual work. Still, we are only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to this present moment. As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would like to remember and those we would rather forget, we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that has brought us to where we are now and trust that we will soon see in the guiding hand of a loving God. Being present in this moment in both pain, sorrow, joy, contentment, and all of these things, being thankful, being filled with gratitude, 
being grateful for what God has done. This is the challenge that's placed before us. To have a heart filled with gratitude no matter our circumstances. So the question begins to, to be bagged. When I get in the car and I'm running late, how do I find gratitude? When I'm looking at how someone else treated me at work, how do I find gratitude? When the world seems to be against me, how do I find gratitude? When it looks like the bills might not get paid, how do I find gratitude? And I, I believe it happens every week when we come into this place. We end every week with this idea of communion. It is a centering point. It's a point of remembering. And I think it's something that we can take not only on Sunday mornings, but into our lives to remember the moment where we should have the most gratitude. In the Christian narrative, we believe that God created the world, everything, heavens, earth, universe. It's all in his hands that he created. That was in the scripture that, that Tim read this morning. He's the God who created the heavens. All other gods are idols. But this God created everything that we see and we experience. And what's amazing is that even in our selfishness and in our desire to gratify the flesh, that God would actually still pursue us. Because we believe God is an eternal being transcendent above creation. He does not need creation. He does not need relationship, but yet he desires it. And so when God could have given up at Genesis 3, the story continued. And the story was of God pursuing his creation, pursuing his sons and his daughters, those not even yet born, that they would come onto this earth, and even though the propensity would be to, to chase after one's own desires, that he would still chase after them along with it. And this culminates in this moment in history, the most pivotal point of our narrative in Christianity, where God takes flesh when we could not take divinity. Where God takes on the form of a man when he could not be accessed by us. He came to us when we couldn't come to him. And he lives this life that shows us this new kingdom that can be above and transcendent above all. That goes well above what we could seek after ourselves. And he takes this form of man and he is willing to do so much to pursue us that he would take and bear a cross that we may be reconciled to him, knowing that in his death that there is a resurrection to follow which would allow for us to overcome death just as he would. I don't know about you, but in that moment when I recognize that and I'm driving and I'm late and someone cuts me off, I can't help but experience gratitude. That in all of the small paper cuts of this life, Nothing, nothing compares to the moment that the living God and creator of all, who could have just wiped away all the story, pursued us and came into the form of flesh and bore the cross that we may be reconciled to him that we may experience a love beyond love, that we may experience a selfless love that goes beyond all selfishness, that, that overcomes all failures, that, that is a victory that cannot be obtained outside of God. You and I this morning 
get to be in relationship with the living God who created us because he so loved us that he would bear our skin and bear the cross. I would recommend that every morning we start there, at the foot of the cross. Because this is that moment that we recognize and experience gratitude for what has been done. And out of that gratitude, what we see become possible is that word charis, where gratitude leads to grace. And the grace is not just poured upon us, but outward to others, that we affect the world in a positive way. And ultimately, when our grace upon others is obtained, we create peace in the world. And ultimately, that is the kingdom of God coming on earth. In the midst of violence and chaos, that there would be peace beyond understanding. This is the narrative that we get to be a part of every day. That God would so love us and we would so love others. I'll close with this uh, quote from N.T. Wright, not Henry Nowen, N.T. Wright. Uh, need the quota, Jared's quota for three quotes a sermon, I think. Um, N.T. Wright speaks of, of the cross and gratitude in this way. As, as the band comes up, um, we'll close with this. When we learn to read the story of Jesus and see it as the story of the love of God, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, that insight produces again and again a sense of astonished gratitude, which is very near the heart of authentic Christian experience. God loves you this morning. God loves you when he bore the cross for you. God loves you in the midst of your sorrow. God loves you in the midst of your joy. God loves you in the midst of your failures. God loves you in the midst of your victories. And we can always look to the cross to see that. So as the band comes up and as we're going to close now with this communion, I take us just quickly back to that picture around the table. And Jesus sat around with 12 imperfect people. Not qualified at all to be disciples of any rabbi, let alone the Son of God. And he even speaks of one who will betray him, knowing that the betrayal was there, knowing that one would curse him and deny him three times. He takes this bread. He says, this is my body. And I break it for you. And he takes the crushed grapes and he, he takes that wine and he says, this is my blood spilt for you. It wasn't a guilty thing saying, even though you curse me, I'm still going to do this. No, this is Jesus saying, even in the midst of your biggest failures, this is a story that was to come long before you ever decided that you were going to forsake me. And here we are now at this moment where we're about to experience the cross. And Jesus says, in the midst of your failures, in the midst of your unqualifications, in the midst of your, your, your heartache and your, your heartbreak, I'm broken open for you. May you be seated around the table with Jesus this morning. 
And may you hear from him saying, it's not your failures. It's, it's not your successes. It is my love for you. May we find gratitude this morning at the table. Um, I would offer anyone who has confessed that Christ is Lord and believe in their heart that, son, uh, that uh, God rose his son from the grave to go to the communion table this morning and remember the moment that we're most grateful for. Let's go before him.